Well, hello, y'all. I am so happy that you've come back or you've stumbled across us for the very first time. We are studying the topic of Satan's inroads today. In previous lessons, we've studied the fact that each and every one of us are in a daily spiritual battle, and we've learned how to recognize those things. And then secondly, we have studied how important our words and our thoughts are in speaking life or death, blessings and curses. Now, in this third study, we are going to see how the enemy uses other ways to get our permission to work in our lives and how to defeat in that area as well. It is so amazing. We don't even realize the things that we do and say. And I want you to remember this. Satan has no power and authority over us unless we are the ones who allow him and invite him in. And we do that in ways that we don't even think about before we do them. We need to learn how to think, stop what we're doing, and do it the way that God would have us to do it. And that is when we win. So Rich and I are 100% convinced that there there is not like one person in this entire world that does not need to hear this study, which is entitled The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. You need to be sharing this on all your social media. You need to be sharing it uh, in your emails anyway, in your that you can, like in your text messages, share it with everyone you know, because you know, that's doing your part also in helping to share the word of God. And it's free. It doesn't even cost you anything. And it doesn't take very much effort at all. But if you can reach one life through this podcast, you have done so much. And we thank you for that. And we would appreciate you sharing it. Um, If you've missed any of our lessons, we're on lesson three, and there are 27 of them. So if you've missed any of them, like one and two at this point, please just go back and and listen to them. And uh, in each podcast, each lesson, there are the notes uh, for the study materials and everything that you're going to need. They're in the notes section or the transcripts section of each podcast. You'll be able to find the link on there to click and it'll take you straight to your study materials. And so um, you need to go grab those things now because here we go. I think you're going to begin to see how this is like a skill set, how this is like a toolbox of all of the things that you can use that's going to help you to be able to live a successful, happy life in Christ. Just watch, just watch how it works out. So here we go. Good evening, folks, and this is such a blessing to be able to speak to you, speak to you about Jesus in your life and what he has to do in your life and what how Satan just tries to still kill and destroy 
every part of your life, it is so important that you pay attention not only how you speak, but the things that are around you. Jesus loves you. He shed his blood on the cross that you may have the authority over Satan to cast him out in the street, in the alley, in the trash can, to send him right back to where he come from. Because he's out there to get you. Don't fail to recognize that and just put him behind you. In Jesus' name, put him behind you. And when you're feeling ugly or feeling bad or feeling defeated, all you got to do is, in the name of Jesus, the blood that was shed on the cross, I cast you behind me. Okay, let's read Lesson 3, Satan's Inroads. Since you're in a spiritual battle, you can't afford to indulge the luxury of strife. If you think a certain amount of strife is just normal, the way you're supposed to live, you are wrong. God is a God of peace. Romans 15, verse 33 and 16, verse 20. And you were created in his image. Genesis 1, verse 27. The fruit of His Spirit working in your life is peace. Galatians 5.22 Therefore, your life should be full of peace, not strife. I'm not saying that you will ever live totally free from all strife from every source, but you should never just accept it, indulge it, or promote it. You ought to actively stand against it and fight it recognizing that every time you get into strife, a door is open. For anything that the enemy wants to do in your life, Satan then has access to you when you are in strife. Andrew Womack goes on sharing, saying, I remember being drafted as a soldier in the army during basic training There were many situations where explosions were going off around me all the time. We'd go out on maneuvers and we'd pass through low crawl pits. This is where machine gun firing was overhead of us. And we learned how to use grenades and practice firing our weapons and many other things. Over a period of six months, which was time in training, I became accustomed to all of the noise. It didn't bother me because I knew we were still in our own country. It was training time, and nobody was trying to kill me. So I hardened myself to it, and I got to the point where the explosions just didn't mean anything. Then I arrived in Long Bien, Vietnam, and we got out of our plane at two in the morning, right in the middle of the mortar attack. We literally had to low crawl from the plane to a bunker and hide hide in it until the attack was over. My cot was actually bouncing up and down from the explosions. Even though I'd heard many similar noises in our basic training, it suddenly dawned on me that this wasn't friendly fire anymore. Somebody out there was shooting rockets at us, and I was so close enough to hear the explosions. As I laid there on that bouncing bunk, I realized I'm at war. There's an enemy who's trying to kill me out there. 
That really sobered me up. Gone by my half-hearted listening to instructions, they didn't have to do anything to get my full attention. When they started the week of training, once we arrived, how to adjust to the country and what would be happening, things like that, I was all ears. The difference was I realized that this was truly life and death. I recognized that I was now in a battle. In this in this portion, which you just heard about Andrew's insertion into Vietnam, our daily lives are much similar because what we think we see in the real world is not always there. So you have to remember when you come upon strife and and the inability to see what Satan is doing to you, you have to realize the real bottle is Satan trying to take you down. You got to remember through the blood of Jesus, the actual blood of Jesus on the cross, we were given the authority to strike that down. You know, we can, we have to discern and we have to decree that Jesus is our Lord and he's going to take care of us forever and ever. But we have to just lay our lives on the line for him. Just like Andrew was going to Vietnam and going to lay his life down for this country. Jesus died on the cross for us. Seeds are being planted. Whether you realize it or not, you are now in a battle. Satan is walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is trying to destroy your life today and now. You could become overwhelmed with that and be fearful, but God is also going about seeking who will respond to him. He's trying to get his anointing, power, and blessings into your life. There's no reason to panic and freeze up in fear because the Lord is infinitely greater than the devil. However, you do need to sober up and realize that you're in a battle. You don't have the luxury of just indulging your negative emotions and getting into the flesh. I ministered to people, Andrew says, all the time who desired the results they see in my life but aren't willing to do what I do. They want to sit and watch as the stomach turns on television. They watch R-rated and X-rated movies, indulging negative emotions that I would never indulge. I recognize that there is a spiritual battle going on, and if I ever began to open up and allow such things into my heart and my mind, Satan would take advantage of it. So I live a very restricted, refraining life from many things that other people do. Psalms 101 verse 3. Although many people would like to see blind eyes opened and deaf ears opened, terminal diseases healed, and the dead raised, and financial blessings the way that I have by God's grace, 
they're not willing to spend the time yielding to and fellowshipping with the Lord in His Word, prayer, and obedience. They'd rather be in the world indulging their flesh and thinking, It's not hurting me to do all of this stuff. It may not hurt them at that moment, but seeds are being planted. You can't be tempted with something you don't think. Like Hebrews 11.15, if you would quit opening yourself up to envy, strive, division, and all the other negative things our society uses for entertainment, Satan wouldn't have these inroads to your life. What was just said, and one thing that, that I strive to do, I recently took over a new job that there's a lot of negativity what you have to do, and this helps you to, to, to defeat Satan and his cause, is you have to surround your peop- yourself and your family with people with positive action. Jesus was always positive. He may have been mad or upset with the disciples at point, but it was always positive because he had a message to spread. But I want you to know that Diana and I believe totally in the Word of God, what God has to say, and the authority that was given to us to, oh, how you want to say it, to override what Satan tries to do in our lives. And we have been so blessed by the Father in the in just the last few months that it's amazing. And the positivity in our relationship, in our marriage, and in our in in our relationship with Christ, is you can't replace it. You're not going to be able to replace it because He loves you more than you can even imagine. Mister Critical, I led this guy to the Lord who had a pretty rough background. After being born again, he joined our church and began criticizing everything. He criticized people for using soap because it wasn't natural. He could have used a lot of soap, too. He needed it. He criticized people because they peeled their potatoes, saying that the skin was the most nutritious part. This guy just had an opinion about everything. Now, I didn't find out until later, but this fellow had been the first person ever indicted by the California grand jury three times before he was even a teenager. He had lived in reformatories since the age of five because all of this and growing up around so much strife, there was a tremendous amount of anger and resentment in him. After a couple of months, he came to me one day and said, I'm leaving this church. I'm going back out into the desert because there is too much strife here in this church. I just got bold and I told him, yes, there is strife in this church, but it's all coming from you. There wasn't any strife among the members until you came in here and you started criticizing everybody. You're the source of this strife. Really? I didn't realize it. You didn't realize that when you criticize people over everything that they do, they ain't going to like that. 
This brother just sat down and began to tell me about his background. Then he said, I guess I just didn't realize it was strife. I just thought it was normal. And then he continued saying, If you were to tell me to act healed when I feel sick, I can do that because I've felt healed before. But when you are telling me to walk in love, I guess I don't know how to do that. I've never felt love before. I just had to take this guy and start teaching him through the life of Jesus what it is like to love people. Some folks come from a background where screaming, yelling, throwing things were normal. There are plenty of times like that, but it's not the way that God wants us to be, according to James 3.16. You know, we've been studying this lesson, and it's really a unique lesson because, and it kind of ties back into the second lesson, where the power of your words come back to you. But you got to realize that the power of your words plant a seed. It's up to you to make sure that that seed is a positive seed. It's just like Andrew talking to the gentleman that was going to leave the church because of strife. He didn't realize because of his upbringing that he was causing an issue. But we all have that within us. So we have to listen. We have to discuss, but you've got to be positive in your discussion with people and people that you're dealing with so that when you plant that seed of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and you will have that life abundantly, how important, how important that really is. Viper in your house, do you treat strangers better than your own family? Many people don't dare to treat me the way that they treat their own children. And yet those parents wonder, why am I having these problems with my kids? Would you yell at me and say, go make your bed, you lousy kid? Would you scream at me? Why haven't you done this yet? And see how our relationship gets along. If that's how you treat your family, you have a double standard. When you blast your family members, the people that, you know, you're supposed to love more than anyone else, it's no wonder you're dealing with rebellion, strife, and division. If you want godly relationships, you have to start guarding your tongue. You have to realize that you can't tolerate much strife because right then and there, Satan comes in through the doors of envy and strife and he works every evil work in your life. There's a way that he gets your permission to come in. Would you allow a poisonous snake to run loose in your house? If it got into the heating vent, perhaps you wouldn't see it for a week or two, but if you knew it was still lurking there somewhere, you'd probably say, I don't care how long it takes. I am not going to live in a house with a dangerous, venomous viper on the loose. It might not be an immediate threat, but if you never knew just where it was lurking, hmm, 
Strife is much more deadly than a poisonous snake. Along with envy, strife, it opens up an inroad for every evil work in your life. It's time to snap out of complacency and recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. You can't tolerate envy, strife, unforgiveness, or any other negative emotion. Some people look at pornographic images and think, well, I'll never act that out. Every time you indulge in your flesh, you are releasing spiritual powers into your flesh and into your life. As you give more and more of the place of that place to the devil, I guarantee you that it will cost you something. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Every one of us is exposed to the forces of the kingdom of darkness each and every day. We are are not on an R&R, a rest and relaxation. We aren't in a secure area where our actions don't really count. We're in a spiritual battle with a real enemy who wants to take advantage of us any way he can. Lord Jesus, we declare and we decree that you are our Father, that you are the Father of the seeds that we plant. The Holy Spirit works through us to speak life over people, positive life. And that is so important. We thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to share and to minister to each other. Diana and I have a heart where we pour into people, different couples, different people, because we're planting a seed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name, because he died on the cross for us. And that's what is important. The positive love that God God's son died on the cross for us is, I can't even, I can't express to you what that feels to me. I don't know that Dinah could express to what it feels to her because each one of us feels the love of Jesus in a different way. But we've planted a seed in each other, just like we need you to plant a seed with those that are around you, your family, your your spouse, uh, co-workers, co-workers anybody you touch. And I always try to plant a seed that says, you know what? I believe in Jesus and Jesus is my Lord. Raised from the dead, God's word says, neither give place to the devil. Ephesians four twenty seven. You are the one who gives Satan inroads in your life. He takes whatever place you give him through your thoughts, words, emotions, and actions. Your emotions can give Satan a place. Perhaps every once in a while you feel like you should just give in and let your guard down. It would just feel good to have a pity party. Boy, does Satan love pity parties. And you just fling that door wide open when you do it. 
I'm not saying you can't have a good cry once in a while, but you definitely have to remember that you are in battle each and every day. I felt that way before, you know, having a pity party. One night, my older son called on the telephone and told me that my younger son had died. Immediately, my wife and I agreed in prayer, spoke our faith, and we commanded him to come back to life. As we got dressed and we drove the hour into Colorado Springs, I had some negative emotions. I felt like, how long can you stand? How long can you be strong? Every once in a while, you just need to run up the white flag of surrender and let it out. Why not just gripe and complain? However, I knew that if I started speaking forth my fears and unbelief, it would just have negated my faith. Even though I felt like saying, we've lost one, we're beaten, let's give up and quit. I started building myself up and speaking positive words like, He will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you're a good God. I love you. All of that glory to God, we arrived in Colorado Springs at that hospital to discover that God had raised him from the dead. We had He had been dead for almost five hours. But after five minutes or so, after we received that phone call from my older son, my younger son just sat up and he started talking right there on the slab in the hospital morgue. Praise Jesus. I've heard Andrew tell this story before. This son of his was inside the morgue with the sheet on top of him and the toe tag. He had been there for five hours. I firmly believe that if I had given in to and vented my negative emotions, we wouldn't have seen the victory. If I had spoken forth my frustration and complained, saying, It's not fair. My son wouldn't have been raised from the dead. Satan will take advantage of whatever you will give him. We are often hung by our own tongue. Okay, think about what you just just heard. Raised from the dead. Do you realize when Jesus died on the cross for us and shed every last drop of the blood he had, and Jesus had seven wounds that caused his death, that we were raised from the dead when he died on the cross for us. He also gave us the authority over all these things, all the illnesses, all the death and strife that life has to bring to us. We just have to pour into Jesus and just seek his Holy Spirit, seek his holy name, seek the glory that God has given us because it is absolutely amazing. I can tell you right now, a couple months ago, we went to a seminar, a healing seminar, and it was absolutely amazing at the knowledge we gained that was always there from the day that Jesus died on the cross. And we got that authority that we can go and say, you can rise and live again. 
you could, I'm not going to be sick today. And we, we practice this between us every day. If we get, feel, get, get up and don't feel good or have a little bad feeling, you know, we just claim the authority. We command it to leave us. And, and it's Satan that tries to get into you and take that away from you. And you've heard it probably your whole life, but st- Satan's just here to kill still and destroy. One of my favorite books is Ephesians, and it talks about when I get up in the morning, I have to put my armor on because I don't want Satan getting into me to where I talk bad things with my mouth over other people. I want to plant seeds of joy and peace and and just being humble, humble before the Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity to share this with you me and my wife, Diana, that you may grow in your love for Jesus Christ. We were listening to Audrey Mack last week. If you haven't ever listened to her, you need to. You can find her on YouTube. It's Audrey Mack, M-A-C-K. And she was talking about how with healing and things like that, when sometimes we don't feel it manifested yet, but we received it, We have to think upon these symptoms um, like we think about temptation and how temptation causes us to sin. We have to think about how our symptoms are like that temptation that causes us to sin. So our symptoms are trying to tell us, no, you've not been healed. You aren't going to get it. You know, it's doing all those things. So symptoms are to healing the same as temptation is to sin. We have to think about um, and, and watch our thoughts and our emotions, our flesh, and say, no, I don't accept that. I do not accept that I am not healed for I am healed. These symptoms are just trying to tempt me into going back to being sick or going back to not believing. So it's like if you haven't received your the feeling that you're totally healed, although you must believe it when you ask for it, that you receive it. But still, you, you know, some people are going to go through times and I've done this myself where, you know, you don't feel so well. You know, you've got these symptoms still, but you're still claiming your healing. Well, if I look at it like those symptoms are trying to tempt me out of thinking that I am healed, then, you know, I am, I lose it. I can lose it. Well, and you have to rebuke those symptoms. When you get up and you're not feeling good, you're feeling a little lethargic. You have to say, okay, Lord Jesus, In the name of Jesus, I put Satan behind me this day, this very moment, because I'm not going to feel like this, because all it is is stealing from your worship of the Almighty God to try to derail you. You got to remember, when you get up in the morning, you need to be ready to plant a seed in somebody, somehow or another. I work a job where I have a chance to bless everybody that I talk to. I don't always get a good reaction. But you know what? I bless that person. Whether they received it or not is on them. But I bless that person and I put a seed because 
they're, they may go home and say, you know what? He says, have a blessed day. Sometimes that's all it takes to turn somebody to the Almighty. And sometimes that's the only thing that takes somebody to maybe take in their own life. So be careful when you speak to people. Love on them as much as you can because the love of Christ has to come through you. Yeah, Christ is going to carry you. The Spirit's going to speak to you. But you got to remember, Jesus loves you. He saved you. And he's going to pour into you so that you can pour into somebody else. So you see, there are so many ways throughout your day. If you don't control your temper, if you don't um, control your tongue, how things can be not God's fault. He didn't allow it to happen. You see, we did because we do things like that. We speak negatively over ourselves, over other people. And you know, that's a curse. So we have to spend time binding that curse, binding those things that are not of God. And we must rebuke them. We must say they are no longer in our lives. And we have to confess and tell our Father that we're sorry and that we are working to be pleasing unto Him. And that's how it works. There are things that can happen and upset you. And, you know, even say, say you have um, a debt you need to pay and you get this notice and stuff. You need to approach the throne with that. You need to ask God, Father, you know, I am sorry for not handling things maybe the way I should, but I need your help. I need you to show me, guide me, and I commit this to you. And I, I'm not going to worry over it. I'm going to continue to seek you on this. And you can watch how uh, an extra way to make money or somebody gifts it to you or he makes a way so that you can take care of that debt. I mean, God, he's he's not up there throwing money down from heaven. He provides ways to help you get through that problem, that issue. He will make a way where there seems to be no way, but you have to trust him. You have to trust him. And when you start to worry, you need to just look up to God and say, "Uh, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. You have got to put your trust in him. The worry, the fear, the anxiety, the stress, just coming off these few years of this pandemic. I mean, it has done so much damage to us. For the, for one, it's the unknown and it's the fear and it's those kinds of things that begin to wear down our bodies. The stress, all of that can cause autoimmune diseases. And we have to learn that we can't beg and plead our way through all of this with prayers. We have to get into the word. We have to begin to equip ourselves and armor up with those things that he says each piece of armor is. And we have to go to war. We have to be guarding our tongue. We have to be speaking life. We have to be meditating on the word. You may think that's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's so much more than what I'm sharing with you, but it is what it takes. And it it isn't so hard once you get into it. 
It's just you procrastinating and thinking about it and, and letting the enemy continue to um, make you think, oh, it's too much. It's too much. Man, if you want to live a great life and be able to live in the face of fear and not worry, you're going to have to start operating this way in your life. Another thing that often comes to me, and it came to me a lot as a, a young mother, was I had to set the tone. I had the opportunity, the privilege of setting the tone for my children that day. I'm not going to get them up. And uh, I mean, actually, I felt so bad having to wake them if they weren't already awake. You know, I wanted their their sweet, precious little bodies to get all the sleep they needed. They were really good kids. And I just really hated getting them up. So it got to the point where my husband started getting them up. But we realized that um, we're the ones who set the tone. The way that we react and respond when they wake up in the morning and, and how we treat them we f- treat them with joy and, and happiness, kindness, and we have done what we can do to help their day because I always made sure that they had their things ready for school. Their clothes were all laid out. They knew what they were going to do. Those were the things that were important because we didn't want to be upset. We didn't want to have to be looking for something that we should have already had in our backpack. Everything like that was done before they went to bed. That way, it was a smooth transition in the morning and they had their breakfast and they were out the door. Now, if we get up, get up and yell. And if somebody did that to us, how would we feel? You know, and, and just, well, I told you, if you're going to put arguing into the morning, the day is not going to go well. And so this is why you have to realize how you respond to other people also determine how they're going to respond, how their day is going to go, how they will either feel discouraged or encouraged. And you know, when you feel encouraged and you have a smooth morning, your day, it may be get a little crazy and wild, but you're not at that point of just crying and giving up. You've already had love shown to you, kindness shown to you, and so it sets the tone of the day. So just keep that in mind when you're parenting. You don't want to leave your kid at school all upset and crying and and all of that. You have to think about how you're training them, how you're teaching them. You are their number one example, and you are usually the one they want to be like. So just consider that whenever you're responding to anyone in your family, especially, especially because we should love them more than we love anyone else. And that's how you train up a child so they know how to be and what to do. It's you, their example, their teacher. And a lot of you parents, you're like me. You're just learning as you go through, as you go through each and every season and change of your child. It's okay to just, you know, learn as you go because you have to. You know, there came a point where I had to learn to be a parent of an adult child. So things change all the time. So just be praying about that if you're a parent, even a grandparent, you know. And um, those are just ways that it can really affect people's lives. It can affect your children's future. 
you know, and, and stuff. So just start practicing on how you respond to things and how you say things. Even that driver that's out there and you're, you've got road rage going on because you're mad at them. Did you know you're cursing those people? You don't know who they are. You don't know who, what their lives are going through or anything like that, but you're already cursing them. And you see somebody on TV and you don't like something about them. And so you start criticizing them. You are cursing their life. And the same way they can be doing, whoever can be doing that to you and affecting your life. So that's why when I say, uh, the known and unknown, the spoken, the unspoken, when you're praying over that and, and, and you're, um, rebuking that in your life, you don't know what everyone says, but you can rebuke it. You can stand there and say, okay, Lord, whatever anybody has spoken over me that I have not heard and I'm not aware of, I cancel that in the name of Jesus. It must go. It will not affect me, you know? So that's how you have to use your tools and study what they are, the armor of God. And, um, and they always say, um, you got to armor up every day. You got to get up and put your armor on. I said, hey, I never take it off. Why would I? Why would I? I just sleep in it. <laughs> so think about that too. So this time, let's just go over our scriptures. In lesson three, the scriptures are Romans fifteen thirty three. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And Galatians 5.22, but the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Psalms 101.3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Hebrews eleven fifteen, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. James three sixteen, for every strife, every envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. And lastly, Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Diana and I are, are doing this podcast as a discipleship. We are disciples also. We, we listen, we study, and, and study God's word. And it's so important as we pass what we learn on to you, Christ had disciples, the 12 disciples, then he gave them the authority to go out and heal and, and raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. So if we did, there, there are several things that could be mentioned here. How does Romans 15, 33 describe the Lord? 
Jesus was the God of peace. He wanted no evil over anyone. He wanted peaceful transition into his way of life. And that is the life that we're looking for. According to Romans 16.20, the God of peace shall do what bruised Satan under our feet. That gives us the authority to stamp on the snakes and anything and Satan and send him back where he come from to dispose of anything that would try to hurt us. According to Genesis one twenty seven, God created whom in his own image? He created man, us. God so loved us that he created us, and then he created us a helper. And that's where Diane and I uh, come into total agreement because we are each other's helper. The grace of whom is with us, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ the, the grace of Christ has for us is immeasurable. You can't measure that type of love. You can love your wife. You can love your children. You can love your grandchildren. And I found that to be a, I didn't think I could have that much love for anybody else. But he loved us even more than that. We find of the Spirit are listed in Galatians 5.27. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. You know, God give us all of this. This is all in our basket when we accepted him into our life. And it's just amazing how much love he has for us because he endures all that we do that is against him, but he endures that and forgives us and allows us to live a life full of Christ. In the image of God, man was created both what? Male and female. That's why Diane and I pour into each other a lot. It, and it's almost a, a daily it's a daily thing because we each have an emotion for Christ and we have to share that emotion with each other. So I encourage you as you listen to this podcast to pour into those that are around you like we pour into each other as husband and wife of 45 years. In Psalms 101.3, the psalmist will set what, what before your eyes? Mm-hmm. No wicked thought thing. It's just like you think about this. Right now there's a war going on Israel. And Israel is God's child. God's not going to allow all these other outside entities to come in and destroy his house. I'll promise you, he will move on them in a way that they can't even imagine. Okay. According to Hebrews eleven fifteen, if Abraham and Sarah had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. Yes. Now, James 3.16 reveals that confusion and every evil work can be found wherever envying and strife are. And 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 that's right, because when you're when you're down and you're dissolute, that's strife. You have to fight that out. And and as a couple, we've fought this out. We have fought the battles. 
and and you put Jesus in the middle of it, and that is an easy battle. Ephesians 4.27 instructs us not to give place to whom? The devil. The devil absolutely, positively has no room in your life whatsoever. You have the authority to cast him back into where he come from and not return. I encourage all of you, and, and we've done it. Uh, we've we've staked our our property with Jesus's words and his promises. We have anointed our home, and we don't allow serpents or any evil thing to come on this property in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Jesus, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. So next week, our lesson is entitled, No Wicked Thing. Let me give you a bit of a preview. There are times in life when we feel like just speaking forth our negative thoughts and our emotions. However, in light of this spiritual battle that we realize that we're in each and every day, there are times that we must exercise our faith and our self-control. In Matthew 6, 31, the Lord reveals to us at what point we take a thought for our own. Take no thought, saying, a thought becomes your own whenever you begin speaking it out of your mouth. You can't keep all those kinds of thoughts from coming across your mind. When I found out that my son was dead, thoughts of grief, fear, and panic crossed my mind. I'm human, just like anybody else. However, you can keep from taking those thoughts as your own. Kenneth Hagin used to put it this way. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from landing there and building a nest. Negative thoughts will come at times, but you don't have to receive them. Same way with people speaking over you. You do not have to receive it. They don't have to become part of you. If you don't say it, it won't be yours. You want to learn more about that. You want to know when you're to claim it, when you're not. And when you want things, you are to speak it out loud. You are to use your imagination. You're to use your um, things that you've learned. You need to know that you can still dream and imagine and all of that, and you can manifest it, and it can become yours. But also, the negative stuff can, can become yours as well. And you don't want that. So you need to know when to accept it, when not to, and how to do all of that. I love you and I will see you, Rich and I will, next week. 